Welcome to Warrior, the art of war for life, a podcast for those who want to win. Leadership lessons, motivational mindsets, empowering principles, success strategies, and transformational tactics from Swinza, the master of victory. I'm your guide on the side, David Boyd, award-winning educator, transformational speaker, and certified life coach. It's time to start winning at life. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for joining us. I'm so glad you're here listening. Last week, we discussed Swinza's three principles for achieving the ultimate personal victory in life. Preservation, permission, and persistence. We also talked about compartmentalization and avoiding collateral damage. If you're a visual learner like me, check out the blog version of this podcast at www.artofwarforlife.com, which includes the Chinese characters I discuss along with additional images and quotes. Don't forget to join the Art of War for Life Facebook page and follow us on Instagram at Art of War for Life. For any questions, comments, or to work with me, shoot me an email at artofwarforlife at gmail.com. Today's topic is four steps to attack your day. So let's go. And as always, the views expressed in this podcast are my own and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the United States Air Force Academy, the Air Force, or the Department of Defense, or the U.S. government. Thank you. Thank you very much. Four Steps to Attack Your Day In Chapter 3.2 of Swinza's Art of War, we read, Therefore, superior military action is to strike the enemy's plans, then to strike their alliances, then to strike their armies, and only at the end to attack their strongholds. In this passage, Swinza identifies four priorities for superior military action. Strike at the enemy's plots and plans, then strike at their alliances and allegiances, then strike at their military, and lastly, to strike at their fortresses and strongholds. From this passage, I've derived four dual actions for attacking our day. They are, number one, strike down our self-sabotaging plots and strike up a winning battle plan. Number two, Strike down our old associations and assumptions, and strike up new alliances. Number three, strike down the enemy soldiers and enlist new operators. Search and destroy. Number four, besiege the bastions of our belittling belief systems, our BS, and build up bulwarks of better breakthroughs. Number one, strike down our self-sabotaging plots and strike up a winning battle plan. The character Swinza uses to strike or attack is Fa. It depicts a person holding a halberd or Chinese dagger axe, which was a traditional weapon and tool. It means to strike down. What are we to strike down? The character Swinza uses here is Mo, which means plots, plans, or stratagems. It depicts a speech radical next to the fruit of the sweet plum tree, which is represented by the character Gan, meaning sweet, on top of a tree. Have you ever seen a large, plump fruit high up in a tree, the ones that have been ripening the longest, and wondered, how can I get that? And then we start plotting our course of action. We start thinking, can I climb up there? Can I reach it this way? Can I find a pole long enough to tap it off and then catch it? That's the imagery of the word. Conversely, have we ever wanted something really badly, 
but then we talked ourselves out of it. See, these sorts of mental plans and plots can be double-edged swords. Like, do we focus on how to get that sweet fruit, that outcome at the end, that thing that we really want? Or do we succumb to all the stinking thinking that says, we can't have it, we're never gonna get it, it's impossible. Once we've gotten clear on our big deal, and we've determined, do I really want this outcome or situation in my life, for my life, and out of my life, and why? What am I getting out of it? Why do I really want this? Once we know what we really want, it's important to not dissuade ourselves from acting. At the same time, it's important to actually reflect on what we want, because a lot of times what we think we want isn't what we really want. As we reflect on what we really want, and whether the things that we're actually pursuing are getting us what we want, or if we're just settling, or whether there's a disconnect between what we're pursuing and what we actually want, it's important to get really curious without blame, shame, or judgment, as my friend Abigail G. Manning constantly reminds us. We need to eliminate all the woulda, coulda, shouldas that we place on our decisions. And as we do so, we may discover that what we thought we wanted isn't really what we want. And what we really want is something else entirely. The problem is, is that we often subconsciously self-sabotage. Why? Why would we self-sabotage? Why would we get in the way and prevent ourselves from achieving and obtaining what we really want? It all comes back to beliefs. Have you ever really wanted something and then got in your own way? That's self-sabotage. I know. I'm a master of self-sabotage. So how do we get in our own ways? And how do we get out of our own ways? It's time to look at what life coach Brooke Castile calls the manual. Have you ever said something like, if so-and-so does this, I'm going to be so mad. Or if this happens, I'm going to lose it. Are either of those outcomes that we really want, or are we just setting up conditions where we feel justified in our bad behavior, in doing the easy thing? Every time we justify an undesired outcome with a set of external conditions or circumstances, we're giving away our power to choose something different. We're giving away our opportunity to get what we actually want. Because we believe that under certain circumstances, we either can't get what we want or we're justified in acting a certain way. That is a subtle form of self-sabotage and self-abandonment, which is the emotional root of self-sabotage. See, we need to give ourselves permission to pursue, to passionately pursue what we want instead of listing all the reasons why we can't have it, which is giving up, giving in, and settling for an outcome that we don't want. Every time we embrace a limiting label, a belittling belief, a diminishing doubt, or an enfeebling fear, we unwittingly abandon our hopes and dreams, our power and possibility for a less than life. We accept that this is just the way we are or life is, and that things won't ever change or get better. And we settle. I've been there, done that. See, I have all these little plots in my head like a story or a narrative, reasons and rules that keep me stuck where I am, like some pencil-pushing bureaucrat who appears every time I want to live my dreams, 
take a risk or try something new. It appears in my mind saying, you can't do this, you'll never make it, why try, you don't deserve it, don't rock the boat. And yet, if we fail to plan, we plan to fail. In episode one, what's your big deal? I talked about getting clear on what we really want. I talked about all the noise that comes up as soon as we start to get clear on what we want. That is our internal resistance that I talked about in last week's episode. So what we really need to strike at are all those personal plots, those subconscious self-sabotaging plots and plans and rules and restrictions in our minds. Those are the things that keep us from getting what we actually want. Those are the things that we say in our heads, those self-talking points that dissuade us from pursuing and achieving. And so if we don't have a, a winning battle plan, if we don't have an intentional plan about how to get what we want out of life, or if we don't even know what that is, that's where we need to start. Because if we don't have an intentional plan, our mind, our brain, which only has a couple of jobs, which is to keep us alive and keep us safe and comfortable and efficient, that's not a good cocktail, a good combination for actually pursuing our big deals. That's where we need to look at the self-sabotage and all the stinking thinking and get intentional about putting a battle plan in place for the day. I have a great handout on this, if anyone is interested, um, that I developed called the Swinza Battle Planner. If you'd like a copy, shoot me an email at artofwarforlife.com and I'll send it to you for free. It's really great for f helping us focus our thoughts on what our actual outcome is. What do we want out of our day, out of our week, out of our month, out of our semester, out of our year, and then to get really intentional. When we put an intentional plan in place to win, every time some of that stinking thinking comes up, it's gonna stand out. We draw awareness to it. Like I discussed in last week's episode, it allows us to call into question, to call attention to those doubts, those fears, those limitations in our minds, and call them out as BS. Number two, strike down our old associations and strike up new alliances. The second thing that Swinza wants us to attack in our lives is our associations, our interactions, our assumptions. The Chinese word here is jiao, which depicts a fire bow and a drill. The fire bow is used in ancient China to both drill holes and to start fires. This is the root word for efficiency that we discussed in episode two. Look in the mirror, you are in charge. It represents the intersection and interaction within ourselves and with others where sparks can fly and connections can be made. So when applying this in our lives, there's two types of associations I wanna look at, internal and external. So let's start with the internal. In episode 17, Three Principles for Achieving the Ultimate Personal Victory in Life, I presented the idea of calling into question our assumptions and our associations. 
calling attention to our doubts and our fears, and calling BS when our belief systems no longer serve us. Because what happens is we don't interact with people on any sort of objective level. We don't see the world as it is. As Stephen Covey has said, we see the world not as it is, but as we are, or as we're conditioned to see it. So one thing that we can do to attack our day is to call attention to and call into question those assumptions and those associations. It could be something as simple as, let's say we have an association of, I just don't like people named fill in the blank, whatever that name is. Why is that? It's time to get really curious. Why don't I like people who are named whatever that name is? Like, is there some past, some history there? Like, uh, once upon a time, I knew a, a dude named, you know, so-and-so, and he was a total jerk. And now it leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Every time I think about people with this name, it brings up all these associations. See, the way that our brain files information is it stores things based on association. Oh, this is like that, and that is like this. And so every time we want to recall a piece of information, it's going to bring up a whole family of associations. Those associations can be helpful in storing and classifying information together, but sometimes things get misfiled in our brains. For example, I love to eat eggs. I love omelets. When I was a kid, I, I went through this phase where I loved to make souffles. But then one time, I got sick. I got really sick from a souffle. And ever since then, I've had an association between souffles and how sick I felt. And I've never felt the same about souffles. Every time I think about eating a souffle now, I go right back to that spot. It's like a trigger. And I have similar associations with coffee and with other things in my life. Now, a lot of these associations are harmless, but a lot of these associations can subtly taint and shape the way that we interact with the world, especially when they're tied to a judgment about somebody else. And my little birdie is back. I should have listed him as a guest speaker last week. <laughs> so one of the things we can do is get really curious about why do I think this about this situation, right? Like for a long time, I had an association with lifting weights. I felt uncomfortable. I felt nervous. I felt anxious and I didn't understand why until I did some digging into this association. And then I remembered an experience that I had when I was 11 years old or probably possibly even younger. Anyway, when I was a kid, I had an experience where I was weightlifting in my garage and I had this big, big barbell with weight on it and I tried to deadlift it over my head and, and I dropped it. it. It fell off to one side and it fell onto my dad's car and broke his windshield. And even though my dad handled it like a champ, I don't remember him blaming me or anything. I think he came out and when I finally mustered up the courage to go in and tell him, I think he came out and just started laughing. But ever since that time, I felt uncomfortable in the weight room. And so once I realized that association, I was able to address it and say, you know what? I'm not that same little kid. 
I can go into the weight room, I can learn proper technique, I can work with trainers, and I can find ways of being safe that aren't going to hurt myself or anybody else. You guys all know the old adage about assumptions, right? Especially when it comes to other, other people, to groups of people, but even also to subjects or topics that we may have associations with things that are inhibiting us from taking the next step in our lives. And so that's what we really want to strike down is any sort of assumption that holds us back, holds us down, or keeps us stuck. So start thinking about it. Because a lot of times our assumptions and our associations, they're like water slides. I've always loved water slides and water parks. And I just love that, that experience. It's one of my favorite things to do. And yet in our mind, we have these water slides. We take these steps and we walk up to the top. And those are like all the conditions that we have in our lives. All the conditions, all the circumstances, all the rules, right? All those plots, they lead us up to a certain point. And then you get to the top of this water slide and then you get in and whoosh, you're gone, right? It, and once you get on that water slide, it's too late. Like the water slide is only gonna take you one place. And so we're kind of the same way in our lives with these, we have these triggers, we, and we have all these assumptions and all these rules and, and they lead us to this one point. And it, if we don't change the assumptions and the associations, that trigger point can only lead us to one place. Once we get on that water slide, it can only take us down and we just spiral and we're in the wash cycle and poof, we get out at the bottom. So one of the things that's really important for us to do in looking at our associations and our assumptions is to ask ourselves, where's this thought leading me? Do I really want to go there? You know, a lot of times in society, we talk about gateway drugs or gateway problems. Well, we have gateway thoughts, right? This can be a gateway into other things. You know, a really easy example of this is, is overeating, eating our feelings. I do this. And so if I allow myself to get to the point where, oh, I've let all of this stress kind of build up and all these emotions that I haven't dealt with kind of lead me to a place where, boom, there's like a triggering event. That's just like getting on that water slide. And at that point, it's gonna be food, food, food. So what we wanna do is we wanna question all of the steps that led to that trigger point and get really curious. Well, what is it I'm not dealing with? What is it I'm worried about? What is it I'm anxious about? What is it I'm afraid of? What sort of beliefs are leading me to this point? And we can do this in any area of our lives. We don't have to get on that water slide. But what we really need to do is we need to change where the steps are taking us from the very beginning. And we can begin to ask, okay, so where does this water slide lead me? And do I really wanna go there? So we can reframe our associations and we can face our fears. And just by drawing attention and awareness to it, we can begin to strike down our assumptions and our associations. We can interrupt the cycle and we can get off the roller coaster because a lot of times we're on autopilot, right? You're at the water park and you want that thrill of going down the water slide. And then it's just steps, plodding steps, kind of on autopilot. Well, in our lives, it's kind of the same way. So we want to make sure that our destination 
where those thoughts are taking us is where we actually want to go. We want to go down the fun water slides, not the lame water slides. The second part of this is our external associations and our interactions with others. It's really important to think about our environment and how we're interacting with our environment and who we're associating with. Is our environment empowering us? Are those we're associating with empowering us to pursue our big deals? Or are they enabling us to stay stuck or are they dragging us down? As Leon Brown puts it, our circle of friends must match our own aspirations and dreams. Otherwise, we'll find little support when we need it most. So surround ourselves with the dreamers and the doers, the believers and the thinkers. But most of all, we need to surround ourselves with those who see greatness within us. We need to associate with people that inspire us, people that challenge us to rise higher, and people that make us want to be better. And we need to be wary of people who are not adding to our growth, who belittle, coerce, manipulate, or put us down, people who use us, or who prevent our growth or sap the life and energy from us. It's like continually throwing coins into a vending machine that doesn't work. It's a total waste of our time and our energy. That doesn't necessarily mean we need to cut everybody out of our lives who doesn't encourage us. It means we need to be intentional and change our dynamics and interactions with others. How do we find that sort of association? We start by being that sort of friend for others. We start by showing up that way in our lives and in other people's lives. Now, I'm not great at math, but one real life application I learned is that changing one side of the equation changes the outcome. See, far too often, we're unwilling to change our part of the equation until someone else changes theirs. And we think that the answer is not going to change unless someone else changes their value too. And it's just not true. And here I wanna give a shout out to my high school chemistry partner, Melanie Webb, founder of Soul Fitness Adventures and Webwell. She's an amazing fitness trainer who takes people out, gets them reconnected with their bodies in the land. So check her out online. She got me through chemistry and I don't think I ever thanked her. But in chemistry and in math, we oftentimes just get too hung up on needing both sides of the equation to change when really we only need one side to change. And thankfully, we are in charge of one side of the equation. So if we don't like the result we're getting, all we have to do is change what we're putting in and it's gonna change the entire result. It's gonna change the entire outcome. That is 100% within our power to do. See, too often we wait and demand that other people change what they're putting in to create the outcome that we want, and then we get upset when they don't, or we're unwilling to change unless they change too. So as we attack our associations and our assumptions internally and externally, as we look at who we're surrounding ourselves with and how we're interacting with them, it's important to remember that it only takes one. So be the one, be the change you wanna see in the world. If you feel like you don't have friends, be that friend for somebody else. If you feel like you don't have support, be that support 
show up in the world the way that we want. I always wanted people to encourage and comfort me. And as an adult, I realized that came from a place of insecurity for me. And yet now, anyone who's ever been in any of my classes knows that every day I encourage them. I remind them how awesome and amazing they are, how absolutely essential they are in this world. And that is coming from a place of, I wish I would have had this when I was younger, and so I'm giving it now to everyone I can. You can too. Whatever it is that you feel like you were lacking earlier in your life, or you wish you would have had, make a decision to go give that to others. Change the formula. Put something different into the world. Send something different out into the world. And change the way that we're thinking about things. Those are the associations and assumptions that as we do, we will find that our days are way more productive and rewarding. That's how we attack our day. Step number three, strike down the enemy soldiers and enlist new operators. Search and destroy those rogue thoughts. The third thing that Swinza wants us to strike and attack is the enemy soldiers. Now in the context of war, this is really easy, right? If there were enemy soldiers roaming this country, we would immediately launch a search and destroy mission to hunt down every last one of them. We would not tolerate the presence of militant enemy forces within our borders. We wouldn't allow it. So why do we tolerate enemy states of mind and thoughts running amok and running rampant in our minds? that actively undermine our well-being and sabotage what we really want in our lives. Why do we tolerate that? And yet we do. We tolerate fear. We're permissive to doubt and we're not even aware of it. So it's time to call attention to, to call out those thoughts that aren't serving us, that are actively undermining or creating resistance to what we really want. See, fears are the foot soldiers of our insecurities. They get their marching orders from our own inner resistance, and they actively undermine what we're trying to create as we pursue our big deals and create the life of our dreams. Doubts are the double agents of our insufficiencies. They pretend to serve us, to protect us, but they do us no good. So as we attack those enemy states of mind, those rogue thoughts, we give them a choice. We practice some self-awareness. And every time we identify, oh, that's self-condemnation right there. Oh, that is self-judgment. We need to make sure that the thoughts that we have are encouraging us, not discouraging us. And guess what? We get to decide which thoughts we want to entertain and which thoughts we want to give attention to. I am one 128th Cherokee, which is not enough to get me in the tribe. However, it does give me a strong affinity to Native American traditions, which I actually taught a course on Native American traditions when I was in grad school. I loved it. There's this great story you guys probably all heard about the medicine man and the medicine man is sitting at camp and uh, the young brave walks up and says, I feel conflicted. And the medicine man says, there are two wolves inside of us. One of them is anger and one of them is grace. And they are constantly at war with each other, fighting, 
And the young brave looks at the medicine man and says, which one is stronger? To which the medicine man replies, whichever one we feed. So going to war with our thoughts, going on those search and destroy missions for any of those rogue thoughts that are actively fighting against or undermining the life that we want to create, means we give them an alternative. We give them an ultimatum. Here's the new vision. Here's the new deal. I'm no longer going to tolerate self-condemnation. I'm no longer going to tolerate shaming, blaming, judging, misjudging ourselves. I'm no longer going to tolerate any belittling talk. I'm no longer going to tolerate any thought that says I need to settle and just accept things the way they are. I'm no longer going to tolerate anything that diminishes my stature and my hopes and my dreams. I'm no longer going to tolerate any soul-crushing thoughts. So, how do we reframe that? How do we replace it? Let's give our brain something better to do. Challenge our brain to think better thoughts about ourselves, about each other, and about the world. And just don't tolerate it. Going back to becoming the general of our own lives. We are in charge of our battalion of beliefs. We get to call them to attention, give them their marching orders. The problem is we've just let our brains do whatever and think whatever. We've absorbed thoughts from TV, from movies, from the internet, from social media. Thoughts that aren't even ours and don't really serve us. They are rogue elements in our minds. This is what the warrior mindset is is calling all those rogue thoughts into question, giving them the chance to align with us or ending them. Either way, they must stop. Because if we criticize ourselves, if we put ourselves down, if we tear ourselves down, how can we expect anyone else to be able to build ourselves up? What kind of life are we creating? And I'm speaking from a place of pain because I destroyed myself my self-talk was so scathing for decades of my life. I think I've said it before. I said things to myself that I would never say to another living person because I believed that I deserved it, but I was wrong. And so if you are really harsh with yourself, if you criticize yourself, you call names, you shame, you blame, please choose something better for yourself. Choose to believe something and think something better about yourself. You deserve better. That is the battlefield of the mind. And in the beginning, it's going to be a battle, especially if you're like me and you've thought some of those thoughts for so long. You're such a jerk. Why you do this? What's wrong with you? If those are the thoughts that we've thought and entertained in our mind for so long, we've allowed them to run wild. It's going to take some time to get everything in order, but it can be done with a little bit of intentionality. And we just take some time and we call those things into question. The highest victory is turning our enemies into our friends. We do the same thing in our mind. We take those enemy states of mind and we say, you know what? I realize as a kid, I thought this, I believed this. I didn't know any better. I had this thought and I was just trying to protect myself. I was just trying to cope. I did the best I could with what I had. Now I can do better. We can think better thoughts. We can set our sights a little higher. We can raise the bar in our beliefs because our brain actually does want to do things that are efficient and that work. And all we have to do is reframe it. 
give it something better to look at. Be like, you know what? I actually do feel better when I think these sorts of thoughts about myself, about the world, about others. Number four, besiege the bastions of our belittling beliefs and build bridges to better breakthroughs. The fourth and final action that Swinza talks about is to besiege the bastions of our belittling beliefs and work on building up bridges for better breakthroughs. The verb that Swinza uses here is different from fa. This one is gong, which means to attack or assault, but it's more than that. The etymology of gong is really interesting. It means to attack or to assault, but it is comprised of the verb to work on the left and hand holding a weapon or tool on the right. So it conveys the idea of working to overthrow something, working to break through or defeat something. It's not a one and done battle, it is a process. So what did Swinza say we needed to attack, assault, or besiege in our lives? Walled cities, fortresses, and battlements. The Chinese term here is cheng, which is comprised of the earth radical next to the verb to become. The ancient form added a tower on the left. One of my favorite activities in China is backpacking the Great Wall, which in Chinese is changcheng, which literally means the long fortress. I've hiked miles and miles of abandoned and maintained sections of the wall over the years. I love thinking about what life must have been like for those who built the wall and who were stationed on the wall. It was probably not everybody's desired duty station. Let's just put it that way. It is a marvelous feat of ingenuity and engineering. At times I've thought about how anyone ever got through such a massive and imposing obstacle. And for most of Chinese history, people didn't. One of the purposes of the wall was to force enemy armies to go to specific gates, points of engagement, while protecting other areas from invasion. And yet, an often unintended side effect of building walls to keep people out is they also keep us trapped within. Applying this to our lives, we want to start besieging those belittling beliefs and the walls we hide behind, those strongholds of safety. It doesn't mean we need to tear down all our walls, because some walls can be empowering, can be protective, defensive, supportive, in episode 10, Swinza's five full send tactics for when we hit the wall, I introduced the concept of not continually throwing ourselves at the wall over and over again and hoping for a different outcome, but trying something different. Indeed, Swinza was actually very wary of siege warfare because of the time and cost, which is why it is the fourth of his strategic priorities. Prior to besieging enemy strongholds, he advocated for foiling enemy plots, breaking enemy alliances, and defeating enemy soldiers out in the field. Only then, we turn our attention to the enemy strongholds. So it is with our lives. In order to really besiege our belittling beliefs, limiting labels, and debilitating doubts, we need to first overcome our self-sabotaging plots and put winning plans in place. We need to break out of our mental associations and surround ourselves with thoughts and supporters that empower, encourage, and inspire us. We need to seek out those enemy states of mind and enlist them or destroy them. No more settling for less than, no more tolerating negativity, and no more beating ourselves up when we fall short. Then we're ready to break through the walls. Irish humanitarian Michael Elmore Megan has said, if we're ready to tear down the walls that confine us, break the cage that imprisons us, we will discover what our wings are for. We are confined only by the walls we build ourselves. Now others can try and people can help, but the only one who can ever truly tear down our walls, specifically the walls of our belittling beliefs, our strongholds of safety, the walls we hide behind, is the one who built them. Us. And we probably felt justified in doing so at the time. And as I've said, there are walls that are necessary and important and needed in our lives. 
And if those walls empower us, then leave them. If they're continuing to serve us, then maintain them. Because I would say that some walls and some boundaries are essential, and we need to make sure that we're constantly maintaining and evaluating those boundaries, those walls. At the same time, we wanna make sure that we don't paint ourselves into a corner. We wanna make sure that as we build all these walls, we build them higher and deeper, that we also build a portcullis, a gate and a bridge out. Far too often we build up walls and we seal them so, so tightly that there are no ways out or no ways in. If we close off our lives to others, and seal ourselves up behind bastions of belittling beliefs, lock ourselves up inside our fortress of fear, it ultimately becomes our tomb. Sooner or later, we need to throw open the gates, invite some safe people into our lives, and occasionally venture out into the world to feel alive. In episode five, four keys to tip the scales of life and shift the balance of power in our favor, I talked about the idea of becoming expeditionary, to get out there and make our mark, to leave the world a better place, so as we build and maintain a certain amount of walls and boundaries, let's make sure that we're also building bridges. Let's start thinking thoughts and believing things that will bridge the gap between where we are right now and where we wanna be in our lives. See, bridges connect us to other people. They connect us to places, they connect us to the world. Today's been a little unscripted, but we've talked about four key actions for attacking our day. The first is, to strike at those plans, those plots, those self-sabotaging rules and regulations, the manual that we have for life, that way everything has to be, the stinking thinking, all those thoughts in our heads that keep us from getting what we actually want in our lives and from showing up how we want to show up, that keep us from getting that sweet fruit at the end, that outcome that we really want. So let's call that out. Let's identify those undermining plans and let's put an actual winning plan in place. What do you wanna get out of your day? What do you wanna accomplish and achieve this day? How do you wanna show up? And let's get intentional. And anything that doesn't fit that can go by the wayside. The second step to attacking our day is to look at the assumptions and the associations that we're holding about things and about other people, and about situations and circumstances. And once again, to get really clear about, is this association, is this assumption leading me where I wanna go? Is it helping and empowering me to be who I wanna be and show up how I wanna show up in the world? And if not, then let's reframe it. Give ourselves a chance to think something different, think something better, create something new in our lives. It all starts with our thinking. The second half of that is to look at our environment, Look at the people that we associate with. Are they encouraging us to pursue our big deals, to dream? Am I interacting with them in a way that is inspiring and ennobling and empowering? And if not, we can change those interactions. We can change what we're putting into our relationships and thereby change the outcome. And sometimes we may need to change who we're associating with. Step three is to really attack our thinking. Don't just tolerate mediocre thinking. We don't need to just tolerate that. We don't need to settle for that. And we definitely don't need to allow antagonistic thoughts, belittling thoughts, scathing self-talk, self-condemnation, blame, shame, and judgment to have any place in our minds. That is our battlefield. That is our sacred space. That is our homeland. We do not need to tolerate that from ourselves or anybody else. We deserve better. We can seek to enlist those thoughts and put them to work for us in a way that's empowering. And lastly, we can work on tearing down those walls. We can work on making sure 
that the walls that we have are supportive and not confining. We can make sure that our walls protect us, but don't imprison us. And we can make sure that in addition to those walls, that we have a portcullis, we have gates, we have access and entry points in and out of our lives to let safe people in and for us to venture out beyond our walls and to become expeditionary, to get out there and make the world a better place, to build bridges from where we are right now to where we wanna be. Four simple steps to attack the day. As we get intentional in these four areas, we will get more out of our lives. So take charge. Be the general out there on the battlefield of your mind. Give yourself grace and space because it's a process and keep fighting. As we get intentional about this, we'll start winning more of our daily battles. Our thoughts will fall in place. Our energy will align with our new vision for our lives as we pursue our big deals. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. If you found this podcast impactful, please like and subscribe and join us for new episodes every Warrior Wednesday. For more information, tools, and resources to help you in your daily battles, for questions or to work with me, shoot me an email at artofwarforlife at gmail.com. Most importantly, always remember the power to win resides within. There is always a way.